How do you start your day? Are you focused, energized, and tuned in to your higher self? Or do you wake up anxious, unmotivated, and already overwhelmed by your giant to-do list? Welcome to Coffee with the Universe with Laura Goldstein, where we'll have inspiring and practical conversations around how to reverse daily struggle and show up calm, collected, and confident instead. As a psychotherapist, spiritual advisor, yoga teacher, and influential speaker, Laura will discuss all things morning routine for increased productivity, mental clarity, greater connection with self, and better decision-making. So grab your favorite cup of joe and come sit down with Laura. Coffee with the Universe starts now. Hello and welcome everybody to Coffee with the Universe, where we have conversations around starting your day feeling calm, collected, confident, and connected to your higher self. Today's show is actually the catalyst for my whole Coffee with the Universe experience and really that monumental experience that got me to doing what I'm doing today. Um, So as I'm going to talk about, this is my time in Alaska and my morning coffee consisted of waking up to fake chirping birds because where we were in Alaska, um, like the sun rose, I think at like 1130 in the morning and then set again at at 330. Um, So my morning, instead of like sunshine and the real chirping birds, it was one of those simulated sunrise Um, lamps, like alarm clock lamps. So it was fake sun and fake birds chirping, but it served the purpose and did what, what I needed it to do in the mornings to get me up and running. Okay. So today's show, I'm talking about soul lessons that I learned from working in a native Alaskan Yupik village in the middle of nowhere. And yes, in the middle of nowhere, Um, where you get dropped off in a bush plane, which like when they sent the, the plane that, that seats eight people, we were like, woohoo, they sent us the big plane. So it was usually like a four seater to a six seater, but um, yes, we got dropped off in a little tiny plane in um, a village in Alaska. And in a lot of my copy, I use the word Eskimo village. However, there is some political, I don't, it's one of those like politically correct words, like some of the native Alaskans, like the Inuits, were very offended by that word Eskimo because they believe like, you know, the white man uh, attached some very like nonsensical meaning to the word. But then I've seen some actual native Inuits write about that and saying, you know, the word Eskimo reflected a way of life um, that, that, you know, they were living even before the white man came along and, you know, started attaching, you know, silly things to, to that word. So I don't refer to Eskimo frequently, but I just thought it was an interesting tidbit of information to share um, because really that we were in in a primarily Eskimo village. I mean, I was a minority um, myself and the other people that were working at the school there. So maybe there was, you know, 15 or 20 of us total in this um, Yupik village. So it was definitely uh, an experience, not just in you know, connecting to myself and, and, and learning these soul lessons, but also on what it is like to be a cultural minority and to experience a lot of the um, prejudices and hatred towards white people because in, you know, a lot of the, even the Native American villages, white folks are um, seen as those that, you know, took away their culture and their land. And I mean, for good reason, there's a lot of genocide in the history, Um, but it was just interesting to be on that side of uh, you know, the, the, the cultural prejudices, um, because growing up like, you know, white Caucasian, I had never um, really experienced that before. I mean, yes, bullying in school, but 
Um, anyway, it was it was just a, a, a really um, worthwhile experience to have. So anyway, on to what we're talking about today. Uh, most of us can identify some kind of monumental experience. Sometimes it's voluntary, like we, you know, go on our own eat, pray, love journey. Sometimes it's forced, things happen, um, divorce, job loss, health scare, things like that. Um, but it's it's usually that, that experience that is a catalyst for a major life change. Human beings don't really like change. We like our comfort zone. Um, but this for me was a major life change. And I really attribute my spiritual growth connecting to my life's path and purpose to this two-year work-related stint I did in Kotlik. That was the name of the village. Um, it's where I took up yoga. I mean, I had never done yoga before, before I got there. Um, it's where I found enough silence to hear my inner voice. It's where I learned what I could live with and what I could live without um, and kind of found the courage to not lose my crap within a culture and an environment that was so different than like big city life in Miami where I was born and raised. So it really took being like dropped off in the, by a bush plane and, and being in the middle of nowhere um, with no roads, cars, restaurants, nothing like that to really come to know myself. And it was that, that catalyst for um, a, a, a like, I guess a life overhaul. It just really changed my life. I, while I was there, I did uh, blog posts about my experience because there, there's just crap. I, I use the word G, but I can't say that on here because I get it. I get in trouble with Benny because he has to bleep me out. Um, but there's like the crap there that happens that you just can't make up. And some of it leads you to laughter. Some of it like leads you to tears, to, to anger and frustration. Uh, but I kind of learned that I, I can handle a lot more than I thought I could. So I want to talk about this. I, I wrote the blog post. I, I have like a book half written, but I don't know, for some reason, I just can't seem to finish it. I don't know if it's fear, you know, fear of like putting it out there, procrastination. I don't really know what it is. Sometimes I feel like it doesn't feel exactly right. I mean, it, there is so much to talk about. I think that I have a hard time figuring out like how I want to articulate it. Uh, but anyway, so I just want to talk about this experience because people will ask me, they'll ask me questions and they'll be like, oh, that sounds really fascinating. Tell me more. And I haven't really shared the full story, just kind of like bits and pieces. So I'm using this as my in inaugural sharing to what my experience was like. So if you have any questions, please feel free to pipe in. Um, you can call in 1-800-930-2819. Or if you are watching this uh, through Facebook, if you want to type in your question. Uh, Jacob, if anybody types in a question, let me know because I can't see the chat here. So for sure. You're going to have to give me a heads up, but I mean, if any, like, and even if y'all have questions, please just pipe in. Cause I will just start talking. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's hard to describe what it looked like. I will do my best. Um, but you know, if anything's unclear, you're just curious about something, let me know. All right. So how it all started, you know, when you have, like those moments where you're like, you know, I'm not really fulfilled right now. And um, I, I'm kind of burned out and, and, you know, we should do this and, and I should do that. That was kind of where my, my husband, who's not, who's now my ex-husband, we're still, um, you know, good friends. So all, all is great. Um, but my husband at the time and I would really talk about doing something different. Both of us were burned out at work. Uh, we just, you know, weren't fulfilled anymore. And, and, you know, we talked and talked, I think we talked for like set, seven freaking years um, before we decided to do something. And it was really one of those forced things because um, my husband at the time was laid off and I was like just spinning in circles doing community mental health and a headhunter contacted him and said, Hey, you know, we have this 
um, school principal position in um, one of the islands in Alaska. You know, you have like the uh, southeastern islands there, um, Ketchikan, and I think, you know, Juneau. That, that's like the pretty part of Alaska where all the tourists go. So we were looking at this island and it was a small island. I think there was maybe like 2000 people on there. And um, so originally that was kind of our target, but that job actually fell through because the principal of the school decided to stay. So then we were like, crap, what do we do? Because we kind of already made these arrangements to go there. So we ended up at a job fair in Seattle and there's a lot of Alaskan representation there. And so the Lower Yukon School District found us and they're like, hey, you know, we can give both of you jobs. And I wasn't expecting to to work like, you know, in, in a school per se. I mean, I was a, a mental health counselor. I figured out wherever we go that there'll be a hospital. Well, in the Lower Yukon, they're all Yupik uh, villages. So there is no hospital, but they're like, hey, you can, you know, work in the school as the school counselor and, you know, village counselor. So I was like, oh, well, how about that? Okay, fine. You know, we're going in and both of us will get these jobs. And it's like we had this wonderful conversation and we're like really excited because now we have something concrete. We literally had to go back to the hotel and look at a map and, and figure out like where the hell Kotlik was because we're like, oh, here we do. We took these jobs like sight unseen and we're like, where are we even going? And on the map, like Kotlik is a village, I think it's like closer to Russia than it was to um, a, a city in the United States. Like we were closer to Russia than Anchorage. And it was ridiculous. We were like, oh my gosh, you know, this is where we're going. And for, for us to go like someplace sight unseen, I mean, that's kind of a big deal. That's it's really a leap of faith. You don't know what you're getting into. All we knew that it was a, a dry village, which meant that you could not bring in alcohol, which was fine for me because I'm not a big drinker, but um, my ex-husband loved his beer. I think he, you know, he kind of decided it was its own food group. So I was really surprised when he was like, oh no, this is good. Um, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna go for this. I was like, oh, okay, fine. But just to give you an idea what the lower Yukon is like. So coming from Miami, I was so excited to go to Alaska because Miami is mono season hot and flat and palm trees and sand. And while that's beautiful for vacation, when you've lived there for 20 some odd years, you're like, okay, yeah, change of scenery, totally needed. So I was so excited about going to Alaska. I'm like, oh my God, the mountains, I'm going to be in the majestic mountains. You know, I can look at the snow caps. It's going to be beautiful. Well, just so you know, in case you don't, the lower Yukon is flat tundra. So the only difference in moving to lower Yukon region in Alaska was that I moved to a flat part of Alaska with shrubs instead of palm trees and frozen ground instead of like warm sand. So it was mono season cold. I think we could see like one mountain, like way, way, way in the distance, but it looked like a molehill. So, so like my first reaction was what the hell, you know, I left Miami going to majestic mountains and I don't get any, I get like this flat tundra. Now in the summertime, it's more like slew, like the uh, water. And, and I thought, you know, gee, why would someone like choose to you know, build a village here. I mean, yes, I guess it's, I know it's like along the river system there and it's good for like hunting and stuff like that. But our village in Kotlik, we actually had boardwalks that would link different parts like the school, the post office. We had um, a native grocery store that carried more like native oriented products. We also had what was called the AC American Corporation. It was kind of like a glorified convenience store, like a 7-Eleven um, or like a, a Rofa, Royal Farms that we have up here in Annapolis. Um, and then we had like a tank farm and that where we could get gas and then um, a, a runway, which was really just like a frozen strip for the airplane. So this boardwalk would 
connect the different like parts of the village the houses to the main boardwalk to like the school and the oh we also had like a, a community center where they would do Eskimo dancing for special occasions and then for entertainment and so it's like in the summer you had to use a four-wheeler or walk to, to navigate on the boardwalks in the winter things did freeze over so you could actually just kind of walk off the boardwalk because the land was frozen and you could take like shortcuts to the store and things like that. Uh, but I just, to go someplace, I mean, just imagine there's like no cars. We had four wheelers and snow machines, but we had no roads. So even if you had a car, I guess you could ship it out there on a barge, but there's really no place to drive to. There's no place to go because you are surrounded by rivers. So in the summer, the uh, natives would travel from village to village through boat. And in the winter, they would use their snow machine to go across the Yukon River and, and just you know visit with other families because you had families that were living in different villages. Uh, so it was very isolating. Um, the houses were not modern at all. They were like the house that we got was like a really bad 70s, 80s mishmash type of thing. Um, I, I remember walking in. I remember the phone call because my husband um, at the time went before before I did. And he called and he's like, you know, I just, just prepare yourself. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? I'm, you know, I'm getting ready to pack up. What does that mean? Prepare yourself. Well, it was wise for him to give me a heads up because I had to decrease my expectations a lot. I mean, I wasn't expecting like the Taj Mahal or anything. I wasn't expecting super modern with granite countertops, um, but I was expecting something that I considered somewhat inhabitable. So there was a lot of work to be done, you know, painting and just trying to make it livable. Um, they were like, you know, maybe one bedroom, two bath houses, um, no more than two bathrooms. So it's just like one bathroom in, in all of the houses. Some of them were duplex style, uh, but just like wood frame. Um, it, it, it's so hard to explain without showing pictures, but let's just say that it certainly is something that here in like, you know, bigger cities, we would look at it and, and think, you know, we have just like moved to a third world country. So that was my, my initial experience of that, getting off the plane, realizing that there really truly are no roads and cars only being able to bring enough stuff with me and like that would fit in plastic tubs. We, we shipped about 12 of them there um, and realizing that walking into where I was going to live needed like such an overhaul and like cleaning just to make it habitable. Like I, I just, I, I was having like this little mini meltdown and I'm like, okay, I'm getting, you know, I just want to get back on this plane because this is not what I signed up for. But then it kind of was, I had to realize that we knew we had no idea what we were getting into. We were ready for an adventure and we were ready for something that would push us out of our comfort zone because the reality is, is you don't know a lot about yourself unless you are pushed out of your comfort zone. Um, there, there's a lot of awareness to gain when you allow yourself an experience that is completely unfamiliar and completely out of your element. And I do believe that that really is the best way to get to know yourself, like the real self, not the guarded self, but the real you. Okay, so uh, let's see, we're gonna take a short break here, but when I come back, I'm just gonna dive into some of the things I learned, um, talk a couple, you know, about some stories. And again, if you have any questions or just wanna know what something was like, please feel free to chime in. I will see you after the break. Does your life often feel like an emotional tsunami where rogue waves crash down on you, leaving you feeling hopeless and wondering if it will ever end? 
Do you wish to awaken the dormant strength inside of you? Imagine what it would be like to turn your pain into purpose. Start today by scheduling a complimentary consultation with Martinet. Dive into your healing journey and begin to see your life in a new light. Visit MartineEmmons.com and make your appointment today. You're driven and it totally shows. Your career is taking off. You're killing it in the mom game. But did your health needs make it on the plate this week? Tune in to the Boss Up Babe radio show where Carissa Adkins helps babes show up, boss up, and thrive. Every second and fourth Tuesday at 1230 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Become the boss babe you were meant to be. To sign up for one of Carissa's group coaching programs, visit 365dailyhustle.com. Optimize your breast cancer screening without any radiation or pain. Effective, sensitive, and widely used thermal imaging in Europe is now available to you here in the U.S. Using state-of-the-art FDA-approved camera, Eastside's first and only breast thermography clinic is now open in Bellevue. Safe, sensitive, low cost, no referrals needed. Contact Holistique Medical Center at 425-451-0404 or on the web, drdarvish.com. We figured by the time we turned 50, we kind of had life figured out, but we were not prepared for the realities of midlife. Tune into And That's When I Realized, the truth and comedy of midlife with me, Susan Dolce. And me, Leon Dyer, every second and fourth Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. You're not alone in these challenges, and sometimes you just gotta laugh. Find us at SusanDolce.com and LeonDyer.com. Your own innate brilliance already lives inside of you. Come discover it so you can shine brightly in this world. Join me, your host, Adrian Cobb, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, during Wild Magic on TransformationTalkRadio.com and get answers to who you are and where you belong. To learn more about me and the show, visit MyWildMagic.com. Again, that's MyWildMagic.com. Hello and welcome back to Coffee with the Universe. Today I'm talking about soul lessons I learned while working and living in a Yupik village in the middle of nowhere, Alaska. And I kind of painted the picture before the break about what life was like it's really hard to use words to describe I was just talking with uh, my producer here over the break that you know I have a bunch of pictures on a cd somewhere but it's so much more helpful to see because you just can't describe the essence of what it's like to be there Uh, but anyway I want to talk about a little bit um, about what I learned and I call them soul lessons because these were things that I just would not have learned if I had stayed in my comfort zone, living, you know, in a modern city in a, in a nice house. I, I don't know that I would have really understood this. And I don't think that everybody needs to have like this. I I call it like my eat, pray, love adventure. Although the movie was like way more sexy than what I experienced in Alaska, but it's kind of like that same thing until you're outside that comfort zone. You really don't know. All right. So first thing that I learned is that you don't need half the crap that you have. So when we went to Alaska, we did not sell our well actually we did we sold one house before we went because we didn't want to maintain like it had a huge lawn and we didn't want to maintain that we were gone um but we were renting um a condo and we did not give that up because we're like oh my gosh if we go out there and we absolutely cannot manage um we're going to come home and we'll have a place to live so we had this um condo it was pretty spacious so it's not like um you know we downsized a little bit but not a whole lot Uh, So we kept the condo in Florida and we were only allowed to take, well, we actually, we could take as much as we wanted. However, you have to pack your stuff in 40 gallon tubs to ship out there because what happens is you, when, when your stuff is shipped to the Alaskan villages, you have to remember that you go from big plane to little plane to little four seater plane. 
So a lot of times your stuff is sitting on a runway somewhere in a line waiting to make it to a smaller plane to get out to the village. So your stuff could be sitting in mud. It could be sitting on ice. So if you ship things out there in cardboard boxes, your bras and panties and personal belongings are probably going to be scattered somewhere on like this, this muddy or ice covered runway. So they told us specifically, you know, use these plastic tubs. Well, it's 40 bucks to ship one of these small tubs out there. So you, you get to the point where you're very careful about what you're sending out there. So it was like, okay, what are the essentials for the kitchen? What are the essential linens for bath and shower? What are the essential clothes? You know, we have all of these books, you know, what can we do with them? Um, Kindle was kind of, I don't even know if Kindle was a thing back then. I don't even think I had my Kindle. This was back in 2011. Not sure, um, but I don't think I, I had one. So, you know, we were like, you know, what books are essential to tag? And we took the bare minimum out there. And at first, the house, as small as it was, I call it like the little sardine can that we lived in out there, it seemed like very, you know, barren. Like we didn't even take pictures, like family pictures with us. So there was nothing on the walls except for like a couple pictures that were left behind by somebody else. And so at first it was kind of awkward because you'd be like, oh, I really, you know, would like to use this kitchen gadget that I have, you know, my, my food processor, but then you're like, okay, I don't have that. So I'm just going to, you know, chop by hand, do it the old fashioned way. And it was really interesting because after I would say maybe four or five months of being there you just kind of got used to doing it the old way. Um, you got used to doing without certain things. And by the time the two years was up that we were there, to be honest, I really couldn't remember. I mean, even, we did come home for Christmas, so we did have a little bit of back and forth. But to be honest, I couldn't even remember like half the stuff that I had stored in closets in the condo. Um, and then when I came home and I was cooking, instead of using like my food processor, I was like still just, you know, chopping by hand and doing it the old fashioned way. And it really made me realize that we don't need half of the stuff we have. And I think that a lot of the stuff that we surround ourselves with depletes us energetically. One, because a lot of the stuff, you know, maybe we don't really love, you know, somebody gave it to us or it's old or reminds us of something. So we don't really love it. And every time we look at it, it's just kind of like, ah, I have that thing there, but I don't really love it. And it's just like, ah, but you know, it's serving its purpose. It's sitting there, it's filling the space. So I don't do anything with it. So I think we have those situations where we have things that we don't really like. Um, but two, just having so much clutter, I think it, it like constrains us. It um, makes us feel um, suffocated in a sense. And a lot of Buddhist philosophy is really not, not attaching yourself to stuff because stuff you can lose. I mean, I hate to say this, but you have a house fire and everything goes up in flames. If you are so attached to all of your belongings, it can have a devastating effect on your psyche because you are so attached to all of that stuff. So something I learned out there is that you don't need half the crap you have, and you can do a lot with buckets and duct tape and recycling things. Um, you know, the natives had to be very resourceful because you didn't always get supplies out there. You could go to Home Depot if you, you know, needed some new bolts. Um, I remember my, my husband, he was up on the roof trying to attach a satellite dish so we could get some semblance of TV using like these stripped bolts and duct tape that he happened to find in the shed 
because we couldn't go get new ones. And the native store had like a little hardware section, but it had mostly nails and it didn't quite have the bolts that we needed. So you had to learn to be really resourceful. And I, I believe like there's a part of you, like the part of your brain that's stimulated when you have to be creative in putting something together. I think that, you know, now there are so many gadgets for everything that we've lost a little bit of our, our creative thinking. And we found ourselves out there really having to, to get to that part of our brain functioning in order to solve a problem. And another thing that I got really creative with was, was food. I mean, vegetables were very expensive and I'll be honest at the store there, you could get like tomatoes that were not ripe, um, onions, cabbage, potato, like carrots and celery. And that was it. And I, I tell you, you get real sick of potatoes and cabbage and carrots after a while. So fortunately there was, um, a company full circle farms that would would drop ship vegetables into us um, like once a week or every other week. Now, granted, sometimes the weather didn't permit and we didn't get our vegetables, but like I would savor that. And, and this box of vegetables that would literally cost me like 25 bucks in Florida cost me a hundred bucks out there. But I valued those vegetables so much. Like I would use carrot tops. I would use like the skins of onions that you peel off. You learn to use the parts of, of the food that you would normally just toss. You learn to use it because, you know, you, you don't necessarily need all you have, but you waste a lot of what you got. So that's kind of like the other side of it. Um, we're a very um, wasteful culture and we can recycle and reuse so much more than we do. And we can be creative in how we solve problems. All right, so that, that was my long, you don't need half the crap you have lesson out there. And it really made me mindful in terms of like reusing, reducing, recycling. Um, and even now, if I can reuse something or repurpose or make like a soup with all of the parts and pieces of the veggies that I cut up, I still do that. That's still something that I held on to, even though, you know, it's, it's been a, over a decade since um, I was in Kotlik. Another thing I learned is that there is peace in not being connected 24 seven. So in 2011, I think we were at like 3G on cell phones. Um, so we had smartphones, but definitely not like super fast like we have today. Uh, but in the lower Yukon, you couldn't get data. So having a smartphone out there was really like a moot point. The only reason you'd have it, you could connect to the Wi-Fi um, at the school there where we worked. And, you know, you could, you know, watch videos and stuff, but you couldn't make calls. So we had, um, if you worked at the school and you're administrator, you had a flip phone that you could use. The rest of us, we were just out of luck. Um, we basically had to Skype uh, friends and family. And so there really was no phone. Also with internet, it was very expensive to have internet and the school had it. And it was, I mean, it worked, it was kind of slow. And depending on the weather, because it was satellite, sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. Uh, so when we were like at home, we were literally at home, disconnected, disconnected from Facebook, from the phones, from social media, from calls. So like my friends and family, at home knew that if they called us at a certain time, we weren't going to answer because we were at home and we had like no connection. Now we did have um, some TV. Uh, we had a satellite out there so we could get like the basic channel functioning, which was kind of nice. We had, you know, some semblance of entertainment, but I realized how much I did not miss Facebook and Facebook was kind of a new thing too back then. It really wasn't, um, you know, the, the extent it is today. 
but I, I did not miss it. And I actually felt calm at home. I slept really well there. And I think because I didn't have so much noise all the time and something that I noticed as soon as we moved back to the continental United States was that the noise irritated my brain and my head and my mind like so much more than it did before. I got so used to being disconnected and to being quiet where I could actually hear, hear myself to coming back. And it was, it was like information and stimulation overload. I just wanted to like go in my closet and, and shut out the noise and, you know, like stop being so noisy. And it took me a while to acclimate back into the world of uh, social media, being online, being on the computer all the time. And granted, even today, I, I will note, like, I need to do like this disconnect detox because my anxiety is skyrocketing and I'm having like trouble figuring out like what direction I want to go. And it's like, I'm having trouble making decisions. I'm kind of confused. I'm kind of scattered. And I realize now that it's because of the noise and the information that's just being thrown at me that I can't even hear myself think. So I think there's a lot of validity to disconnecting, to taking breaks from cell phone, from Facebook, from Instagram, separating yourself from the noise, not having to have all of that input all the time. And even like when I go to yoga classes, um, sometimes like I know in my Kundalini class, I'll use like music if there's a mantra or a specific like sequence that we're moving to. But some yoga classes that I've been to, they actually use like modern music, just like playing in the background. And I thought, you know, this is time for yoga. I, it's like, I, I don't like those classes. I, I want... Um, I want the, the quiet and, and the solitude. So I have to be selective about what I'm doing, even when I'm practicing yoga, because that is a, a chance to quiet the mind and to give yourself that space to really listen to yourself. Right. And I think that was the biggest value. I don't know that I'd be able to do what I'm doing today unless I had that time to really get to know who I was and to listen to that inner voice. Okay, we're going to take one last break. And when we come back, I will continue talking about some of my experiences, some of the things that I learned. If you have any questions and you're on Facebook, please feel free to type them in. If you want to give us a call, 1-800-930-2819. I will see you after the break. Are you ready to shift your life into overdrive and stop wasting your time? If so, then I want to invite you right now to the Body Regeneration Online Academy with me, Tracy L. In a world filled with so much information, you can get overloaded and confused, left feeling like you've tried everything and still no results. If this is you, then this platform is for you to help you step into your power, your intuition, and gain clarity. You will learn simple tools that you can use as you walk down the street, and I will teach you how to grow a stronger connection to the God consciousness. Imagine having me as your coach, shifting you, uplifting you, empowering you every week, and most of all, helping you stay connected so you can navigate your life's journey with ease and grace. Nothing will be able to get in your way. Plus, you will have a community filled with souls just like you to pick you up when you fall down and support you on your wins. No one can go this journey alone. If you are ready for your live activations, check me out at tracylclark.com and join the TLC Body Regeneration Online Academy now. Life can be demanding, but sometimes our wheels are spinning and we're too focused on making them turn to notice we're stuck in the mud. 
Tune into The Pause with me, Ellen Wyoming Deloy, every second and fourth Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio. Learn how to stop, reflect, and start moving forward with intention. And if you're really looking to jumpstart your personal development, schedule a free coaching consultation with me at ellenwyomingdeloy.com. Is your life stressful and unfulfilling? Would you like to make changes, but you don't know how? Hi, I'm Dr. Pat. I'm the host of the Dr. Pat Show. I'd like to recommend The Necktie and the Jaguar by Carl Greer. This is a memoir with questions to help you change your story and live a life that's more pleasing to you. For more information or to purchase this fabulous book, please go to transformationtalkradio.com or go to carlgreer.com. Want to ignite your best life full of joy, passion, and purpose? Then join me, Stephanie James, for The Spark, Wednesday nights, 6 o'clock Pacific Time, 9 o'clock Eastern, on TransformationTalkRadio.com, and learn how together we can illuminate the world. Learn more on StephanieJames.world. The best is yet to come. Tune into Hungry for Answers every first and third Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com with me, Robin Clare. I am a recovery coach, professional, and best-selling author, bringing you eye-opening conversations about addiction and groundbreaking tools for recovery. To learn about me and my offerings, visit Clarity.com. That's Claire, C-L-A-R-E-I-T-Y.com. Hello and welcome back to Coffee with the Universe, where I'm talking about soul lessons that I learned in a remote native Yupik village in the lower Yukon, Alaska, which is in the middle of nowhere. And uh, the village was called Kotlik, which actually means pants in English. So I lived in pants. Alaska but that was only because the river where we were was like divided so if you actually looked at it on a map it kind of looked like a pair of pants so that's where it came from just some fun lower Yukon trivia for you all because the lower Yukon is a place in Alaska that no person in their right mind chooses to go voluntarily and definitely does not go for a vacation and to see the pretty parts of Alaska. Now, fortunately, while we were there, we had the opportunity to travel to Anchorage and into Fairbanks and the Seward Peninsula. So we did get to see a lot of the nicer parts of Alaska, but where I lived and worked for a couple of years, not so much. Okay. Uh, some more soul lessons that I learned. Home is what you make of it. So I just sent uh, Jacob a couple photos that I happened to find during the breaks. I don't know where, where, where do they get posted, Jacob? Um, they'll show up on Facebook Live and then on YouTube after the show. Okay, so Facebook Live and YouTube. So I, I sent a couple pictures of like um, the house, um, one of me, and then you can kind of see like the frozen tundra. I mean, it was very pretty in terms of like the colors and stuff, but you can just get the idea of like the isolation and the vastness of, of, of what it was like out there. But another thing I learned is, is home is really what you make of it. Um, and, you know, I mentioned in the last segment that I had a little bit of a meltdown when we got there and I saw the condition of the house. Um, we didn't even like I, I knew something was wrong. I knew something was wrong when we went to the school to check in before we even saw our houses and they handed me a key to the front door that was like a freaking padlock key. And I was like, no, no, you know, where's the house key? This is like to a padlock. They're like, no, this is the key to the house. So believe it or not, our door lock was a freaking padlock on the front of the door that you use this little key to open the padlock. And I thought, my initial thought was like, oh my God, somebody could totally come and like padlock us in. And then I was like, oh, duh, all you need to do is just kind of like lock the padlock we have on that one little loop and not shut it. And nobody will do that. But I'm like, how like how ridiculous is that who has a padlock to open your front door um so that was like the first uh, it was like the initial you know warning sign okay this is not going to be what you expect 
And next to the house, the, the principal of the school who lived there before us, like built a hot tub. And I don't even know how it was possible. Cause like it was made of wood and I'm like, well, wouldn't the water like leak? I have no idea, but it looked like um, a circus ring where you like tame lions attached to the side of the house. I mean, seriously, it was like this round wooden platform with this, you know, barbed wire around it. And I mean, it looked like you should be back there with Siegfried and Roy and doing the whole lion thing, um, tigers and lions. Um, so, you know, I was like, okay. And then the inside of the house, I remember walking into the kitchen and almost having my second heart attack of the day there because like the countertops were this like ugly mustard yellow formica, but it was thin formica. And it was almost like they didn't have an entire slab. They had these little squares. So they took nails and hammered in these squares of this like ugly mustard formica on the countertops. And I guess, you know, mustard with like mustard paint color too. I guess that was like the please take me home paint special um, at the Home Depot in Anchorage or we'll ship it to you for free because it's the ugliest color on the planet. That's kind of like what the kitchen was was painted. Um, the walls of the house, you know, a blue shade, which at least was somewhat decent in like teal old carpeting. I mean, it was just, it was so aesthetically unappealing. Um, and so when you get there and you look at, oh my God, this is where I'm going to be living and you're having this meltdown, you have to take a couple deep breaths and, you know, get your crap together and, and just say, you know, okay, I can handle anything. Um, there's this phrase that like, that I use, like God, the universe won't give me anything that I can't handle. So I kept like repeating that to myself, you know, I can handle this. I wouldn't be here if I couldn't handle this. And it's interesting because after a while, we really started to not notice like the ugliness of the house. It became home and we cleaned it and we made it, you know, as sanitary as possible. We, you know, painted some things. I did paint, I found some white exterior paint and I did paint over the mustard yellow paint color in the kitchen. So we did make it a little more aesthetically pleasing, but it was still ugly. It was still old. It was still worn down and very, very rustic. Um, But it became home. And it became comfortable. And you say, how can you be comfortable in like such a yucky environment? But you do, you somehow make it comfortable. So it's like, I would go home and we'd, you know, get cozy on the sofa. And after a while, it just didn't matter all that much. The aesthetics just didn't seem to be all that important because home is really what you make of it, no matter what it looks like. Um, Even if you fall on like hard financial times and have to downsize or sell this home that you love and go into a rental that, you know, you don't quite like, you can, it, it is what you make of it. And we have so much more power with our mind to make a place comfortable and welcoming than we think we do. We think we need like shiny, bright, new, but we really don't. So home and where you are is what you make of it, no matter what. Another thing I learned is that, oh, there is such a thing as making water. Yes, we couldn't drink water from the tap because it came through the river and we had like filters to keep like the rocks out and stuff, but it certainly wasn't like bacteria free. So we had these water distillers and it takes about four hours to make a gallon of water, just so you know, in case you need to know that. Um, And we would have to make water every morning. I'd fill out my little water distiller and I'd put the gallon jug under there and I would make water. Who would have thunk? I learned that it's important to be open to other perspectives, and this requires a release of control. It is a lot less anxiety, a lot less anxiety ridden life to not try to control everyone, everyone and everything. Control was a huge lesson that I I learned out there, and this will probably be my my final point of of the show, just because 
to stay safe, it is, is part of the human condition to want to control everything. We try to control the people, places, things, things around us happening. We want to just, you know, control it so that it is exactly how we think it should be. But let me tell you, when you go to a place like um, Kotlik, Alaska, reality slaps you in the face. There is so much you can't control, especially the weather. Um, you cannot control that you were supposed to fly into Anchorage today, but there's a snowstorm and now you're snowed in for three days and sorry, no trip for you. You can't control that you went to a different village for an event and you get snowed in there and now you're camping on the school floor because you can't make it back to your village. Um, you can't control when, you know, something breaks and, the, and we have no water and we don't have the resources to fix it. So they have to ship something in. There was so much that was out of our control that you had to get flexible, like slinky flexible to not have like this anxiety ridden meltdown. You really had to learn to go with the flow and be okay with whatever came up. Now, this doesn't mean that it didn't trigger like anxiety, but I think this is one of the reasons why I took up yoga and like meditation there, because I knew I needed some tools in order to help me cope with all of the unexpected things that happened. Um, and, and sometimes we had tragedies in the village. Unfortunately, the suicide rate is high, high rates of alcoholism, even though it's a dry village. Um, the locals would make their own alcohol, it's, you know, like moonshine, you know, bootleg and stuff. And, you know, we had deaths, we had accidents, things happened. And it's not like we had a hospital, we had a small clinic. But if there was an emergency, you know, like the village pretty much shut down, they had to, you know, send in a trauma hawk. So is kind of a big deal. And you had to learn to, to try to not control and to be open to a different way of seeing things. Um, we had to, you know, sometimes rely on the knowledge and wisdom and the resourcefulness of the Native Alaskans there, because what do we know? You know, my, my husband got a call that there was a bear in the village and he's like, what do you want me to do? I'm a white guy from Miami. What am I supposed to do with a bear in the village? You know, so he had to rely on the expertise of, you know, the locals and what to do when some things like, like this happen. And, you know, we also have to understand, like, I went there and I was a, a visitor, a guest amongst a people in a culture that was very unfamiliar to me. And I had to be respectful of the cultural norms, even if I didn't understand that. And it really helped me to open up to other perspectives um, to really manage and, and just be accepting of things, even if it didn't seem right to me, even if it didn't seem like appropriate, I had to understand that was the way of life there. And that was their culture. And I, I just needed to honor and respect that. And, and that was probably the hardest lesson that I had to learn was the whole control and letting things flow. Okay, you know, I could talk about this forever. There was just so much, but our time is up today. And uh, so I just, I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about how some of these things can really give you a new perspective, putting yourself outside your comfort zone um, can be super healthy for you if you find yourself stuck in a rut. You know, it, it's these kind of experiences that help us grow or accomplish things that, you know, we didn't even think achievable. Thank you for joining me for Coffee with the Universe. Make sure to tune in next time as I continue to share tips and tricks to help you stop waking up anxious, uninspired, and energetically drained in the morning and feel calm, connected to your higher self, and confident instead. If you would like more information on my morning magic course, please visit www.cwtu.net slash morning magic.